0: A Viewpoint of a a Samaritan Townsman. He goes on to say, I'll be honest that when I would see her walking down the street, I made it a point to look down. I had judged her and made snickering remarks at her expense on more than one occasion. It wasn't just me, it was all the guys. What did she expect? I didn't make the choices she made. I didn't run from one relationship to the next like they were a blowout cell on Black Friday. It wasn't like it was all the time. She mostly kept to herself or her flavor of the month husband or boyfriend. It's not like when we'd pass her, she would say hi to us either. That's why it was so crazy. This one day when she raced... Into the center of town, yelling for, for people to come with her. What had gotten into this young woman? Where did this sudden urgency come from? And this boldness to call out to everyone in her path to follow her. Out of sheer intrigue, I guess I decided to join the crowd and follow this woman we'd spent decades intentionally avoiding. She brought us to the well where we got our water from each and every morning. But it was who was standing next to it that made her so excited. Okay, okay everybody, this is Jesus. He's the man I was telling you about. He told me everything I had ever done and He has the words of eternal life. Just listen to Him, okay? The woman said as she moved out of the way to give this very ordinary looking man center stage. And then he began to speak and it was like nothing I'd ever heard before. Someone brought up their paralyzed son and and Jesus put his hands on the kid's leg and, and he jumped and he started to walk. The place was going crazy and my heart was beating out of my chest. That day I surrendered my life to Jesus, and He's the best thing that has ever happened to me. I think to myself often, what if she never told us? What if she never invited me to meet Jesus myself? To say the least, I don't look down when I pass anyone on the road any longer. This morning we are going to be in week four uh, of our Made For This series. And if you're here for the first time or maybe you missed a, a few weeks, we're going to do a quick review to kind of get everyone uh, caught up and on the same page this morning. And uh, if you were here, you remember, hopefully you remember, all right. In and, and week one, we, we looked at God's Word and we made the statement that that God is calling each and every one of us to have a relationship with Himself. God is calling us to be a part of His mission, of His purpose, but we made the statement that it is a choice of ours what we do with that invitation that God is even giving each and every one of us this morning. He has strategically placed us where we live, where we work, where we play, to join in His mission and His purpose. And that reason is to draw people unto Himself and to be a part of building His kingdom. In week two, we ask the question, what is our mission? In a nutshell, our mission is Jesus' mission. We said it is to grow in relationship with God and to introduce others to Him. We also looked at all the competing and distracting missions that we many times find ourselves on that keep us from following after the mission that God has for those who have given their lives to Him. And then week three, this past week, we we unpacked and how we actually introduce Jesus to someone. We we use the silly illustration of many times we we find ourselves playing chubby bunny with those people that we uh, we adore that we have a desire to share Jesus with and we looked at the man who was who was demon possessed and as God came and healed the man changed his life made him new his his pronounce I mean I'm sorry he pronounced to this young man. I want you to go back to the people in which you are living and all I want you to do is to share the goodness of what's happened to you in your life. And as God gives us that mission many times in our lives, uh, let's be honest, we we get freaked out when we think about sharing Christ with someone. We, we, We get nervous, we get scared for whatever reason, and God simply gives you and I the mission, just share what I have done in your life and let the Holy Spirit take its way and move into the life of that person that you desire to have a relationship with me. This morning... We're going to be looking and answering the question, who exactly is my mission? Who is it? Is it someone that um, some of you love people? Uh, Some of you are comfortable with people. Some of you do not know a stranger. How many of you would say, honestly, that's just my personality. Like, I, I don't meet a stranger. I don't mind going up to anyone and starting a conversation. No one's playing along this morning. All right, I know some of you are that way because I know you. Uh, that's not particularly my personality, but some of you are just social butterflies. I mean, you, you never meet a stranger, and for you to just start a cold conversation with someone, even about Jesus, that becomes natural to you. That's something that God has gifted you. It's, it's a gift of evangelism that you have in your life, and, and you love it. You don't, you don't find it as a, as a, as a thing that you're, you're guilted into doing things. It becomes very natural to you, all right? And we're all envy of you, okay? Let's be honest, all right? But this morning, we're going to be looking at who exactly is our mission because if God has uniquely placed us in some people's lives how to share about him how do we go about identifying that in our lives and let me just say this morning maybe you're here this morning and you are still checking out this whole God church Jesus thing and this might seem a little awkward to you this morning because you're you're looking and saying so I am the mission What we are going to talk about this morning is so applicable to you because as you are investigating Jesus in your life, you need to know it's impossible to truly be a follower of Jesus and dismiss or overlook what we're going to talk about this morning in your life because I just want to share with you that God loves you. God desires to have a relationship with you. He wants to change your life and to fill you with the joy and the peace that we are all searching for to give our life meaning and purpose and he has a purpose and plan for your life he wants to set you on a mission in which he has called you to my question for us this morning is how will we respond to that how will we respond to that can we pray together before we get started father we uh, come before you Oh, God, fill this place, Lord. I pray that the Spirit of God would speak to us and challenge us and and convict us this morning and encourage us. God, I I thank you for your word. I'm excited about your word this morning. Father, I want to pray for so many of their churches in this town, God, that are gathering. Lord, I pray that you would have your way, God. And as the the gospel message is proclaimed with boldness and truth, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit, Lord, would just draw people. To you, Father. This is all about you, Father. Thank you for this opportunity that I have been given this morning. Lord, please humble me in this moment. God, I pray that my words would be an edification of the body of Christ this morning, Father. Lord, we love you and praise you, and all God's people said, Amen. If you've got your Bibles, all right, we're going to dive right in. John chapter 2. John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 24 and 25. Uh, We're going to be walking through the book of John here. We're going to be in uh, John 2, 3, and 4. Uh, but the the passage should be on the screen behind me. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be one close to you there. All right. If you seriously don't have one at all, man, let me know after the service. We want to get you one uh, so that you can have that as a as a personal uh, tool that we can use in our life, just to be an encouragement and a challenge to us as we are uh, seeking to follow after Jesus in our lives. Uh, John chapter two, uh, verse twenty four and twenty five. Let's uh, let's get started. It says. Uh, But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. Does that scare someone or does that encourage you this morning? All right, that Jesus knows you and what is inside of you. And it's verse 25, it says, He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. You see, Jesus is. Never fooled by our outward attempts to follow after him. Anybody ever struggle with that in their life before? Wanting to look or wanting to become someone deep down inside and so you portray yourself as someone who you really aren't for the satisfaction of those around you or maybe you're one of those who loves to post things about your life that honestly really aren't that true, but you wish they were and you want people to have that understanding of who you are, but in, in reality you're, in, you're struggling, you're hurting, you're in pain, you're, you're whatever is going on there, and I love this. This, this, is, this is encouraging to me. I know for some of us we're like, oh boy, Jesus knows what's in my heart. <laughs> he knows what's in my thoughts. But I love this, that Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows your heart. He knows what's in your head. He, he knows you better than you know yourself, and he, he loves you, and He adores you, and He's calling you unto Himself. Let's keep going. Uh, John chapter 3. This is a very interesting story this morning because as John is writing this, um, and as Jesus is, is starting his, his earthly ministry, um, He gives us two polar opposite examples of the kinds of people that God loves to work in. And, and listen to this in, in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Now, now Nicodemus, he was a a spiritual giant of his time he was a a pharisee we hear the word pharisee and the word Sadducee, many times we talk about that a lot. And, and, and these are the religious leaders of, of that time. And, and they thought they had it all figured out. All right, I know we don't ever think that. But they, they thought they had Jesus figured out. They were actually um, kind of worried about when Jesus came on the scene because he was speaking and teaching and doing these things with authority. And they had, they had never seen that before. So they were, they were somewhat kind of scared of the teachings of Jesus. But you have Nicodemus here. He is a, he is a spiritual leader amongst the times and he comes into a conversation with Jesus and 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 Jesus sets some things straight in the life of Nicodemus he has a conversation about you know being born again and and Nicodemus is like how is that possible I am a grown man how do I get back into my mama's tummy and they literally have that conversation and, and Jesus goes on and He says, you know, we are all born once, we need to be born twice. He's speaking of our, our spiritual lives that are dead because of the transgressions and the, and the sins that have separated us from God like we talked about last week. And it says, everyone must be born again spiritually. And that's what God is offering to us for us to be called into a relationship where He gives you life and gives it to us more abundantly. And so they have this conversation here and it changes Nicodemus's life. And then we come to another scene. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus leaves there and has a conversation with a woman that could not be any further on the religious scale than Nicodemus was. And I believe Jesus is, is making a profound point that nobody is off limits when it comes to talking to them about God. John chapter 4, let's go together, verse 1. It says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judah and went back at once more to Galilee. Verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus... Tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. I want to stop there just for a moment. Um, uh, Geography helps us to understand this passage a little better also, and also history does. As as the Jewish people, as they were making the journey to Galilee from Judea, they would literally take the long route around Judea so that they did not have to come into contact with the Samaritan people. Now the Samaritan people, we've been talking about that. help hope you have an understanding of who they are. These are the people that intermarried with the people of the Promised Land. And so they're kind of like half Jewish, half not. And so the, the fully Jewish people think they're, they're, they're kind of a, a castaway type of people. And so they want nothing to do with them. So they would literally go out of their way bypassing this town. And I love this in verse 4. It says, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Samaria. Let's keep going. Verse 7, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. She, She gets the whole thing going on here as well. She says, How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 10. Jesus answered her, If, <clears throat> excuse me, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. Now, it's interesting here because Jesus kind of gets straight to the point, all right? Some of us have a hard time getting into spiritual conversations, amen? I mean, we can talk about all kinds of things, but all of a sudden it's like your, your, your heart is beating out of your chest and you know that God is saying, just, just speak about me. Share what God's doing in your life. And, 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 and sometimes we finally, as our, our knuckles are getting white, maybe, maybe we'll share something. I love this because Jesus just goes, he just goes straight there, all right? He just goes easily into a a spiritual conversation just like that because Jesus, he knows that he is on a mission for a purpose and he is living his life intentionally so that all peoples will know about who God is. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than, all, uh, than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water, he's speaking of the physical water that's being drawn up out of that well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, as we seek to answer the question, who is our mission? It's interesting how the different people in this scene apparently saw this woman. Let's start with the Samaritan woman herself. As Scripture says, it was noon. Now, if you've ever been to the Middle East in that area, you don't do a lot of things at noon because you will fry yourself. It's, be, it can be 110, 120, 125 degrees. And so people would get up very early in the morning, especially the women, and they would put the bowl or whatever on their heads. You've probably seen those pictures before. And they would walk some of them miles to go to the well uh, to get water out of this. And they would go almost before the sun was up because it would be so devastatingly hot. They have a very long siesta. I love siestas, all right? And so we find this woman... We are assuming that she is there by herself. We don't know particularly, but we are assuming that she is there by herself. And as Jesus comes, it's noon, it's hot. And as we will see in just a moment, this woman has a past. And as I can imagine, someone who has gone through that is feeling all kind of shame and guilt, which leads to believe that there's a reason that she's there at noon. She wants to be by herself. I'm sure there's a guilt on her life, and she's there. she doesn't want to be seen. she wants to be left alone. and she's there at noon and she has an encounter with Jesus. What's interesting here is the disciples. Jesus was not alone in this story. Scripture says that the, the disciples, they kept going. They kind of kept going and they somewhat ignored the situation of this woman. We don't know if it was because of culturally, men and women, uh, it was actually against the culture for a man to approach a woman in that situation. So, so maybe it was a, a cultural thing of why they kept going or, or maybe they knew about this woman. We don't know the situation. We just know that they went to go get some takeout. All right. We know they went to town to go get some, some takeout, and in, and in a few minutes we'll see that they come back on the scene. And as I started thinking about this, as they come back on the scene, they have a problem with Jesus having a conversation with this woman. And I started thinking about myself, I wonder how many times I, by, I bypass people because of what I think of them. I wonder how many times in my life that I don't spend time with someone because I think it's going to take up too much of my time or that person's too broken or that person is, is into this and I don't want to get drug in and so I, I bypass them. And, and, and I, don't, I don't see them because I'm not living my life intentionally on the mission that God has given me or that has given us. And so the disciples bypass, but not Jesus Jesus sees something in her that no one else did. I love that. Going back to our our first passage here in in, in John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25, but Jesus would not entrust himself, for he knew all people, for he knew what was in each person. So Jesus finds himself in this conversation because he knew this woman. Wanted to be healed. He knew that this woman needed redemption. He knew that this woman needed peace in her life. And so he has an encounter. He breaks down social barriers to get a conversation to encounter this woman. Because she was worth it. Let's check out what happens next. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this Water, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She's, she still hasn't latched on many times. Anybody ever been confused by God's word? It's like, oh, I love that God said, just pray. Just pray that the wisdom of God would continue to give you an understanding of, of God's word. And, and it's kind of like a Nicodemus thing, like, um, how can I go back into this woman's tummy again and be rebirthed again? And I love how, how the spirit of God, and she's like, yes, of course I want this. I don't want to keep walking back out here. It's hot. I feel alone. I don't want to keep doing this. Yes, I'll take a tap water in my house if possible. Jesus, yes. Give me this water so that I don't have to keep coming here to draw it. Verse 16, he says, he told her, this is where it gets personal. Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. You see, this is an interesting conversation here because you would think that Jesus is trying to shame her here. You you would think that anybody else in this conversation would be like, yeah, of of course. And look at the decisions that you're making. I mean, how foolish of you. I mean, don't you know any better? But Jesus is, is drawing out from her that she can come to grips. Is that's where she's at. Yeah, it might not be the lifestyle, but that's what she knows. And she's, I can imagine, lived a life of abuse and gone from here and gone from there. And she's broken and she's, she's willing to admit in that moment. And for her, it's a strange man. This is not just, she does not know this is Jesus, the Messiah, yet. It's someone who has taken time to care for her and to love her right where she is and is willing to cross cultural barriers or whatever the situation is to to meet with her and to love her right where she is, and she just opens up. You're right. You're right. In fact, this woman is coming to repentance in her life. Verse 19 uh, through 38, um, uh, this woman and Jesus, uh, they kind of hash out, have a conversation here about some of the truths of who Jesus is and uh, some of the misinterpretations and speculations, um, and Jesus kind of sets those straight as he loves to do in our lives. Um, And then the disciples return from getting their takeout, and they they come back on the scene, and um, Jesus knows their thoughts. They don't really say anything. It's like those conversations, like, maybe I should say something, maybe I shouldn't. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But they're, but they're thinking, like, what is Jesus doing here? Why are you talking to this woman? it says there in Scripture, in the Brandon version, a little bit there. But, but, they, but they come back on the scene, and as this is taking place, as the disciples and Jesus are talking, and, and this woman, she, she leaves the scene. And we'll pick it up there again in verse 39. The Samaritan woman was, was on a mission. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. You see, it's interesting here because in that moment, Jesus gave her something she had never experienced in her life before. In that moment when repentance took place and faith was birthed in that woman's life, at at, at the, the first time in her life, she feels like she's worth something. She feels like she's worth something. And she feels like what's happened to her is worth sharing with those whom have criticized her, who had avoided her. There's been times in my life where I have um, withdrawn from certain people or stood my distance from certain people because I just thought they were too bad. Anybody been there? This woman experienced Jesus and Jesus gave her hope the very first time in her life and it was in that moment jesus also gave her a mission gave her a purpose and and plan for her life and it says that she went back to town and she shared what god had done it says that he told me everything i did verse 40 so when the samaritans came to him They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world." Think about this story just for a moment. Jesus could have easily, naturally passed by the town of Sychar just like every other Jewish person ever has because of the assumptions and the thoughts of what people thought about them. But it said Jesus had to go in that Direction. He meets this woman at the well. Even the disciples kept going. And Jesus encounters this woman. He, he breaks down some social barriers. You think our country's going through some social barriers right now? Do you think our country's going through some situations right now? Let me tell you something Christ followers, God is calling us. To follow after Him and our mission and our purpose for our lives is to be the love of Christ to those around us. And that's going to mean for us breaking down some of these barriers that are around us that our country is putting on us. That means overstepping sometimes in our lives and loving someone who someone says they're unlovable. That means sometimes going and spending time with someone who nobody else wants to spend time with. That means going and and lending a helping hand. That means going and sharing and, and being the hands and feet of Christ because that is what God has given us as your mission and my mission. the very next verse in verse 43 it's not on the screen it says that Jesus left for Galilee after 2 days so there's this impromptu spiritual revival among the samaritans that goes on for 2 whole days and we ask how does things like this happen You see, the very woman that people had cast aside comes back into a village of people that had rejected her and convinces them to meet her new friend and Savior, Jesus. This couldn't have been easy for her. She pleaded with people to come meet the man who told her everything she'd ever done. She wouldn't take no for an answer. I just wonder how many times she went back to town grabbing people. You got to come and you got to meet this Jesus. You got you to gotta know this Jesus. He's changed my life, and for the first time, I have hope. I'd like to read a quick story written by a speaker by the name of Tony Campallo. He says A new recruit went into training at Paris Island, hoping to become a, a Marine. He was one of those young men who seemed to be a bit out of step with the norm, and he easily became the subject of ridicule for those who enjoy picking on offbeat people. In the particular barracks to which this young man or this young Marine was assigned, there was an extremely high level of ridicule and meanness towards him. The other young men did everything they could to make a joke of the new recruit and to humiliate him. One day, someone came up with the bright idea that they could scare the daylights out of this young Marine by dropping a disarmed hand grenade onto the floor and pretending it was about to go off. This is a true story. Everyone else knew about this, and they were all ready to get a big laugh at the expense at this one young man. The hand grenade was thrown into the middle of the floor, and the warning was yelled, It's a live grenade! It's a live grenade! It's about to explode! They fully expect that young man would get hysterical and perhaps jump out of a window. Instead, the young Marine fell on the grenade, hugged it to his stomach, and yelled to the other men in the barracks, Run for your lives. Run for your lives. You'll be killed if you don't. The other Marines froze in stillness and at the same time in shame. They realized that the one they had scorned was the one ready to lay down his life for them. And so it is and was for Jesus. We have no idea what is inside of people. So as we close, who is our mission? You see, I think Jesus was teaching multiple lessons to multiple audiences here in chapter 3 and chapter 4 from the part of this religious leader who you would think had all the right answers, this, this powerful Christian leader who, who needed to be humble before God Almighty and needed to be corrected in his understanding about who Jesus is, all the way to the drastic differences of this woman who everybody despised, everybody wanted to stay away from. You see, Jesus' primary focus was making disciples disciples. So he used every scenario to teach these disciples and those around him a quick lesson in what it looks like to be on mission with God. You see, because just in a few years after this story took place, Jesus would hand the keys to these few young men and women who had counted the cost and desire to follow after Jesus. And as, as, as Jesus went to the cross and paid the price and, and went to the grave and was risen and was ascended back into heaven, they would go on to spread the gospel. They would, they would go on to be obedient to the mission and the calling that God had for them. So who is our mission? I believe Jesus is proclaiming in these passages. Everybody. Everybody. You see, God has strategically placed you and I where we are to reach those we do life with. There's a word in the New Testament, it's called oika. Uh, there's also a yogurt out there called oika. Alright? We're not talking about the yogurt. Some of you are like, that is I love that stuff. All right. It's fantastic. Um, the word oika is actually a Greek term, and it means household or house or family. It, it, it's speaking of the people whom you are closest to. It's, it's speaking about those people that you do life with. And it's interesting, the word oika, although we describe it as a household, it's, it's not just talking about who's in your household. It's talking about a little bit further out. Maybe this the people that you do life with. Maybe you, maybe you work with. It's people that you have close encounters with. And I love all through the New Testament. I'm just going to read a couple real quickly just to give you some examples. In Luke chapter 8, it says, The demon-possessed man was told to return to his oika, and describe the great things that God has done. Luke chapter 19, it says, Zacchaeus was, was told salvation had come to his oikos. John chapter 4, the centurion whose whole oikos was saved following the healing of his son. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was a righteous man who feared God with all of his oikos. Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer has his entire oikos baptized in the middle of the night. Can you imagine the impact that we would have for the kingdom of God if we just started with our oikos? Look, I'm going to start using that word. I love that word. There's something about it, it just rings off your tongue, you're a part of my oika. My mission is my oika. You see, that's many times scary to think about, isn't it? It is. Because many times our oika are the people who we care most about. We care what they Think about us the most. You see, I love mission trips for lots of reasons, and I just want to be very clear that God calls us to be on mission. I completely understand that not everyone will go on a mission trip. All right? God has called us to be on mission right where we are. And the story this past week was the man of the the demon-possessed man and God comes and He heals him and He he changes his life and He says, here's what I want you to do. You're not even going to go with me. I want you to go back to your oikas and just share what God's done. This same woman here, God, God healed her and changed her and for the first time gave her hope. She goes back to her oikas and this was not a very nice oika. Some of you... Don't have a very nice oika. Let's just be honest. I just love that word, sorry. The people that you surround yourself with, or maybe your upbringing, the people that you live with, Maybe they don't care about the things of God. Maybe they they are just like the woman who experiences all of these things in her life. Let me tell you something. God has a mission and a purpose for you to be on mission about building God's kingdom around and starts with your oikos. The people that you do life with. You see, many times it's easy for us to go... Thousands of miles away because we're like, we know we're going to be there short term. I've I've never seen these people. I'll never see these people again. So if I screw up or if I mess up or whatever I do, it doesn't matter because they'll forget me in a week or two. But not my oikas. They're going to post things about me. They're going to talk about me in front of me and also behind me. But let me tell you something. Just like in these stories, when God transforms Our lives, many of those fears are settled because of the peace of Christ. And you are willing to step across the line of criticism, social things, skin color. Those things become less of an importance in your life because Jesus has now become the most important thing.